you ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word, victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. But without victory there is no survival. Now, we are the masters of our faith. And, okay, so, first tick mark, we are... Come on, yet? Hello? Hello? Come on, I'm waiting for the ticker to, to move. Okay, so now we're live. Okay, so here we go. I have a little intro I do. Uh, my name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA LLC, located in Sacramento County. And Real People USA, we support uh, conservative. Uh, I'm on the back. Let me start over. My name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA LLC. Real People USA LLC is located in Northern California and Sacramento County. And we help Republican candidates with uh, campaign activities, fundraising, and coaching. It's a pleasure to have as a Real People USA podcast guest, uh, Jeffrey Perrine. He's running for the California State Assembly in District 7. And I just want to say before I bring uh, Jeffrey on the line or Jeff on the line, I was walking down the street. Almost sounds like a rap song, but I was walking down the street. And I saw his signs on the side of the road and under some bushes. And the, the guy that he's running against, his office is in that location. And, you know, I, I only heard about Jeff through watching or, or watching or reading some type of uh, some news things about the Sacramento GOP, which we will talk about that. But I said, oh, my gosh, this, this is not good. So I, I found Jeff on Twitter and I sent him a message and like a day later he called me and we had a chance to talk and I just think it's bad when uh, a, a, a candidate just you know trashes your, your campaign materials to be juvenile so without further delay I would like to welcome Jeffrey Perrine as a Real People USA podcast guest good afternoon Jeff how you doing I'm doing good Rick thank you very much for the invite Man, and let me tell you, man, if I would have known that you were you were running still, I would have called you a long time ago because I just wanna I just wanna, you know, uh share something. You're my hero, bro. Oh, I appreciate you. Seriously, man, you're my hero. It. And see the reason why you're my hero is because our country needs more people like you. Definitely. We I need we need more people like you. And before we went on the air just a few minutes ago, I want to share this story that I just shared with you. Okay, I just got your campaign mailer in my mailbox. I live in Citrus Heights. Okay, and uh, I probably live in the well, not in the middle, but I live in a in a pretty sizable region of District Seven for your California State Assembly. And I got the mailer out, and I'm looking at it. And it has your picture on it, like maybe like you just left a baseball game with your family or something. It's not like one of those, uh, you know, uh, shiny metal object pictures where you're where you're wearing a suit and you don't deserve to wear one, but you got one on anyway. And the back of, I mean, on the, the, your your uh, your campaign mailer says Jeffrey Perrine fought local school mandates during COVID. I'm like, yeah. Then the second bullet point says a leader in the local steel stop the steel movement 
I'm like, hell yeah. And then the third one says a pro-Trump patriot who calls himself an anti-establishment conservative. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. All the you know check marks are all there. And I put the, I put the mailer down. And then when I called you, I happened to look at the back to see <laughs> what was on the back. And it's got freaking Kim, Kim Cooley stuff on the back. And there's no way in hell I would vote for him. No way. Now, I don't know yeah. who's working with Kim Cooley's staff, but as far as I'm concerned, he did Citrus Heights a favor by putting these three bullet points, which I would assume that he would see as negatives for you. But these are positives. So, man, uh, please talk to us and tell us. And I want to go through the actually since uh, Ken Cooley did a fantastic job of uh, identifying some areas that I wanted to talk about. Go ahead and, um, and, and, and introduce yourself to the to, to our listeners for about three to five minutes and, and tell us why you're running. Sure. So my name is Jeffrey Perrine. I'm a long-term Sacramento native. I've grown up here my whole life. I was uh, born and raised in Citrus Heights area. I lived in uh, Carmichael as well with my grandparents when I was about seven until the age of 13. Uh, I went to elementary school, middle school, high school, uh, junior college, and uh, Sac State. So I went to school my entire life here. I've had two children, uh, married to a woman I went to high school with. Uh, my mother was raised here, went to the same high school as me. My grandparents were uh, raised in this area. So it's Sacramento's my home. It's where I was born and raised. And, and I would say that, you know, the ethos of Sacramento runs through me. I know a lot of the establishment won't agree with that. Uh, they do have a tendency to try to slander me or whatnot. I just keep moving forward. But what really got me into this movement was the fact that when I got married and I had kids and I bought the house, uh, that things really just started to kind of be brought to my attention of how corrupt our society was. And when my son was injured via vaccine in 2015, um, it kind of opened my eyes to what was going on. And so I just started to investigate the vaccines and investigate the legislation. And then when I went to put my son in school, they told me that, uh, I had to continue to vaccinate my son with these same things that had already injured him. And that was really what woke me up. It wasn't anything crazy with the economy or inflation or Donald Trump or anybody like that that really brought me in. It was personal injury from my family, my son being injured, and then just watching uh, my community fall apart, the homelessness, the drug addiction, the, uh, the infrastructure falling apart, the roads, the education system. Uh, it just started to really, really make me upset. And so I started to spend a lot of time going to the Capitol, and I got to know a lot of the Republican Party and a lot of the people up there that said they were working with us and they felt like we did and were just as angry at the establishment. And So I got behind a lot of people around here before I even attempted to do anything in office. So I promoted Travis Allen. I got to know people like Peter Quo. I got to people get to know people like Betsy Graves Mahan, who's the president of the uh, Sacramento GOP. And Chris Bish, for example, who told me to run for office. So after I met these people and participated in the Sacramento politics and saw nothing getting done, I ran for office. And I ran for a local position, which was the Central Committee in the Republican Party, which I had been recommended to run by someone who's running for Congress, as well as Peter Quo, who is the vice president of the state of California's GOP. Uh, and many others. I mean, a lot of people had recommended that I run for some low-level uh, office to get me in the door so I could see how politics work and just get to know people and network. So I did exactly that. 
And after about a year of going around and getting to know people and having them sign, you know, these pieces of paper to get me into office and getting the required number of signatures I needed to get into the onto the ballot in March of 2020, uh, I did that. I got on the ballot. And uh, because there was only nine people running, I automatically won my position. And so January of 2021 comes along and uh, the insurrection happens at the Capitol in Washington, D.C., of which uh, I am a proud boy. I mean, it's not a problem with me. I'm, I'm an open, proud boy. I have no problem with admitting that or uh, affiliating with that group because those are my brothers and we all have this, a lot of us have the same ethos. I'm not going to say everyone in the fraternity thinks like me because it is a fraternity with, you know, 40 or 50,000 members in the United States. So it is hard to say that everyone thinks like me, but I am in my own chapter and we think our own way. And so when I was elected, the GOP uh, found that I was a proud boy. And so what they did was they swore me into office and the first thing they did was uh, vote me out. So over the next year, I thought, what better way could I get back at the GOP and the Republican Party than just running on an independent Republican ticket, using my name as an activist and using my name as, I guess you could see, a, they call me a Trumper, they call me whatever they want to associate me with, an extremist or whatever, which is absolute malarkey, because I mean, what I am is I'm a devout constitutionalist. I love freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, private property, um, limited government, small taxes. I think taxes are voluntary. I think the IRS is a joke. I think that the Fed has gotten way too involved in our economy, and they're destroying it, and they're the reason why we have inflation. So um, there's a lot of things that brought me into it, but now that you're seeing what happened after I did, I put my name in the ticket, and I've made a lot of establishment people angry that I'm out here doing what I do. And uh, now you're seeing the ads and the flyers and the press conferences about me, and, uh, and here we are. Man, I want to I want to uh, thank you for for sharing the information about your 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 child in 2015. Now, the, the 2015 incident with your son with the with the vaccine precedes the COVID uh, mess that we're going through right now. So, if anyone would be uh, sort of anti-vax with this COVID stuff, it should be you. Because you've already seen the I'm harmful just pro-choice. Effects. Yeah, I mean, I, if you want to get jabbed, that's your choice. I, I'm not even going to say I'm necessarily anti-vax. If people choose to do that to themselves, that's their choice. I am pro-body autonomy. I believe that I should have the choice to decide what goes in my body. And I think that that is wrong that our um, government has stepped in and our public health officials have stepped in and felt that they have the right to tell you what should go in your body. I think that is where uh, they've overstepped their boundaries. Because I I generally was pro-vaccine until my son was injured. So, I mean, I had always received mine and I had always followed the rules. And um, yeah, but once I saw the adverse reaction, I never really thought that that, I never even considered it. You know, I didn't think that people would get hurt from these things. So I never Mm -hmm. knew. And then all it did is woke me up, and then all of a sudden I was awoke, and suddenly questioning getting the jab labeled me an extremist, and they called me like a vaccine denier, and they called me a conspiracy theorist, and that was when it just started to go like, what the heck is going on? Why are these people attacking me? You know what I mean? Right, right. And I t- so I stand corrected by, by saying anti-vax 
But I tell you what, uh, you would be the, someone who would be um, eligible and, 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 and valid to talk about someone who wanted to, you know, decide or not decide to take a vaccine. It would be you, bro. Definitely. That's just my opinion. I would, would I would be- say so, too. I mean, I, I'd be honest with you, uh, Rick. I think that when I had grown up with asthma and the ear infections that I'd always had as a child, looking back on it, I was, when you look at the side effects of the common vaccine injury, it was asthma in the 80s caused by what we were receiving, as well as ear infections. And once I stopped getting my regular school boosters, the ear infections went away, the asthma went away. I mean, I was on a ventilator. I mean, one of those Wellbuterol ventilators from the time I was old enough to remember until I was almost 10. And then once I got out of school, the asthma went away. And I mean, the only thing I can honestly correlate with it is I wasn't being poked anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Man, let me tell you, let me tell you something. Uh, this episode is going to get some traction on that subject. Because, you know, the outgoing senator, the state senator, Richard Pan, seems like that's the only thing he wanted to do was 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 poke people, poke little kids with uh, with these uh, with these serums and, and substances. And if you're saying you noticed for your own self that once these uh, these injections stopped, your health got better. That that leads some credibility to some of the people who have uh, always thought and probably have proof just like you in their own families that something is not right about the state of California's uh, state of California's um, desire to to put stuff into in these little kids and now they want to put stuff in grown-ups so but I want to I want to uh, take us back a little bit you mentioned uh, Travis Allen that's when I really got kind of connected to this thing uh, this political thing here in California when uh, Travis Allen was run, running for governor and uh, and he had crowds, man. He had thousands of people in different parts of the state. I missed him in Modesto or Stockton, I think he was in. And I know he's from Orange County, California. And then I said to myself, man, I know that this guy is going to do it. He's going to win. And then comes John Cox from Illinois. And I'll never forget the day that John Cox was in San Francisco and that's the only ad that he ran that like a with him with him in a video he used his iPhone to film something in um, in North Beach in San Francisco and it was like low quality with his iPhone and that was the only uh, campaign ad he, he had that he did and then he ended up uh, getting the, the number two spot but the reason why I bring up Travis Allen because it seems like there's been a trend of California, the people who run the California politics, not wanting people like yourself or Travis Allen and the millions of Californian voters who would support you. Yeah, because they have an agenda and their agenda is to appeal to the left leaning um, progressives, it seems, because the conservative party does not uh, stand for the values that I think that the traditional conservatives or the Republican Party used to stand for. I mean, you see the GOP with, you know, requiring vaccinations to go to the GOP meetup in L.A. and Anaheim. I mean, to require your group of people to be vaccinated, how in the heck can you call yourself the party of freedom or liberty or anything that, you know, 
even calls himself constitutionalist. I mean, nowhere does it say that I should be forced to do something because you feel unsafe. That that has always been the argument of the left when they say we can't own guns. Oh well, the Second mm-hmm. Amendment—that's dangerous because their their guns can hurt us. Well, if we all had guns, it wouldn't be an it wouldn't be an issue, right? Everyone would have guns. We'd all be trained how to use guns, and our society would be polite. But then you've got those other people that want to say, well, I'm scared of the fact that you own guns. I'm scared to own guns. So I want to take away your guns. And I see the GOP being that way. And it's just like the GOP being uh, not strong on the border. They're not willing to stand up and say they want closed borders and limited immigration with assimilation because they want to appeal to the Latinos and the Hispanics that are coming here illegally, in my honest opinion. And so the GOP is pandering to a new base because they've lost a lot of support from the traditional people. So they're pandering to a whole new group. And that's what you're seeing is the conservative party moving left and then the Democratic Party moving further left into progressivism and Marxism. So there's really no true conservative party anymore. And so what you're seeing is the conservative party transitioning into the, the 80s uh, Democrats. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know you mentioned... Well, homosexuality, open L, you know, LGBT. Because, I mean, I have nothing against a gay person. I have a, I have a problem with the agenda of the LGBT cult. You know, because it's it's obvious that there are gay people in the conservative party that are in the the liberal party, and they're not all cultists that want to change our children into these different beings. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is a movement within the LGBT community uh, that is that is changing the way that the traditional uh, gay people operated within society, and that's I think we can all agree that the traditional gay couples and and people within our society did not have an agenda to destroy the society we live in it seems to me now it's like targeted going after our kids in school right definitely the whoever's running that movement definitely has a a different agenda than you know the day-to-day person who's lgbt and has a you know a woman that has a wife or a guy that has a a a husband Uh, i have friends who are who are lgbt and they agree with you. They don't. They do not like the fact that their their lifestyle has been used as a political tool uh, on the on the on the political stage. I, I gotta uh, when you mentioned when you mentioned the Proud Boys, I guess gotta let you know that I do know at least one, maybe two people who are affiliated with the Proud Boys, and I have no problem with the group. And I also want I want to say the reason why I want to say that is because when I was in the military as a combat vet, you know, I looked at. Anyone who wanted to, to protect our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that's my uh, sort of feel that I get with, with, the, with the Proud Boys. I think, and I know, well, this is what I know for sure, is that the establishment does not like the fact that there are people willing to stand for our Constitution and our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And that is the reason why, you know, there's, there was all this news you know back in you know a couple of years ago and when trump was uh, in office so i just want to applaud you for standing up for what most americans believe in i don't think the you know you your affiliation with the proud boys is a bad thing at all i think it's it's a it's a symbol of people who still believe in america the only difference between me 
and as a proud boy and like a, a traditional fraternity is that we are politically involved. You know, we're basically a group of men who believe in Western values, which is the traditional family, uh, marriage, venerating the housewife, uh, Second Amendment, entrepreneurship, having babies, raising those children in a way that's going to create positive kids for the future. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with a fraternity that promotes a strong family unit, um, making sure you raise your kids to be, you know, quality citizens. I mean, I don't understand what's wrong with that. Uh, this perception that there's, you know, a requirement that you're a race, race is required. Um, we have multi-denominational of religion and we have different races of people within our organization. And it's, it's quite disgusting to hear people say nothing but really just complete lies that are spewed by the media, which is white nationalist group filled with neo-Nazis. And you're like, you know, we have so many people in this organization that are of color that would just completely argue that point. They could show you numerous examples. I mean, one example is Enrique Tario. He was the president of our entire organization for the last two and a half years, three years, and he's a black Puerto Rican guy. And when you show people Enrique Tario is the president of our organization, the first thing they say is, Oh, well, he's just a black guy that's saying what the white people want him to say. So these racists put a black guy in charge to appear to not be racist. And it's that like, oh, you mean like the Democrats did with Obama? You know? Exactly. It's like, that's not us, guys. Like, we we are not you, and that's it. They're always projecting what they are on to other people. And that's why it doesn't even bother me when they say these things, because I know that it's absolute garbage. It's lies. And... um as you can see, time will tell that we've been right about a lot of things. We said that they were going to force vaccines four or five years ago, and they said we were conspiracy theorists. Well, now COVID vaccines came out. We talked about um, digital identification. They said we were conspiracy theorists. Well, now the vaccines run right in correlation with the digital vaccines. You're seeing all these are digital passports. You're seeing all this stuff that we've talked about that they were saying we were conspiracy theories is coming to fruition. So mm -hmm. them calling us white nationalists and racists, they're only doing it so people won't listen to the message that we're saying, which is look into this stuff yourself. Just investigate for yourself. Look into what the media is saying about everybody around you. And they don't like that because we bring a lot of attention to the, the corruption in the government. You know what I mean? Exactly. And just to, so that you know, um, my mother's side of the family is Cuban. Okay. So I get that all the time. And because I'm a dark skinned black guy, uh, people don't, don't see that. And they don't make any kind of connection to that. But my mother's side of the family is, is, uh, from, from Cuba. And, uh, so I can, I can relate to everything that you're saying because I've been, I've been a member of the Republican party since 1991 when it was not even a problem, but when I brought it up, it was like, Oh, how did you become a Republican? Well, see, I've never been a Democrat. Never. I've never registered as a Democrat. So uh, I hear what you're saying. So let me ask you some questions about uh, your campaign and what you want to do uh, uh, if you're if you're elected to office. And I believe that there's a lot of people who know your name. So I'm just letting you know listeners know. Don't be su surprised 
if if Jeffrey Perrine is 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 on the top. Uh, so, what are some of the things that you, you would like to do if you were elected to the California State Assembly? Well, first, I'd have to say we'd have to address inflation. Inflation's absolutely out of control. So, uh, I was a huge, huge proponent to this gas tax when it was going on in 2018. I was at all the gas tax rallies trying to fight it and bring attention to it. Uh, the way that they worded that bill was very tricky. It was one of those vote yes for no type things. And so they were able to manipulate the community into voting for that, which was really sad because I don't think they understood what they were voting for, which is why we're seeing gas prices skyrocket now. And they're trying to use it as leverage for votes. They'll say, hey, you know, vote for us. We'll get rid of this gas tax. Well, that is what I would do. I would get in and I would write a bill and I would be willing to work with the left being as they have the House majority on eliminating this gas tax because I think both sides understand at this point we need to be able to get to and from work. People need to be able to put groceries on their plate. And if diesel fuel is $10 a gallon, that is going to affect the grocery prices. So they're complaining about inflation and they're blaming wars in Ukraine and such on inflation, but I beg to differ. I would say if we could do something about the petroleum costs, that would change a lot of what we're seeing and they're calling inflation. The second thing I would do is I would probably address the water issue with uh, either desalination plants or reservoirs. I would really like to focus on, you know, some way to preserve water or keep water instead of letting everything flow to the ocean. Like, I am super, super pro-nature, dude. Like, don't get me wrong. As a conservative, I understand what the word conserve means. It is a major part of, you know, conserving nature. I mean, what is a conservationist? It's the same word. It's the same root word, conserve. So I understand forest management. You know, I understand addressing these forest fires. I think that if we get to the root cause of what's causing a lot of these forest fires, right? This will help us in the future with all the different zoning and the moving of people. Because we have a lot of population that's being forced to relocate because of fires, uh, fire insurance. People can't afford to live in certain places. So I would like to see what I could do legislatively to uh, help people with the fire insurance. Because I think that's huge. I think that insurance companies are taking advantage of the fact that our government's not properly managing our forests. And so that would be another thing I'd like to address, would be proper forest management. So, and I think border would be another one of my top five, addressing the out of control uh, border situation. Uh, I would have to write some form of bill in terms of eliminating this sanctuary stuff that's going on, because I was, again, a huge, huge uh, proponent to the sanctuary city. I was not for it. So my first attack would be going after these sanctuary cities. I think that I would have to, again, I know it's an uphill battle, but continuously try to fight what the liberal left and the progressives are doing here in the state of California, which is just moving the third world here to our streets. You know, we cannot allow for our immigration numbers to be the the staggering rates that they're at. Because, I mean, we bring in a million people a year right now, and we've already brought in over 2 million illegal aliens as of May 2022. So, I mean, what I would like to do is write some sort of moratorium or something where if we've reached these numbers that we're at, which is two times the legal amount, 
I would like to stop the influx of legal immigration. So I would like to write some form of bill that would stop immigration numbers from continuing to come in if we brought in too many illegals and we've actually documented millions of illegals. We should no longer allow for people to come here legally. We should stop that throughout the year. So that would be like something I would like to propose too is um, just taking a stance on the immigration, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine down in uh, San Jose and actually the city council, the city council is the political group or the political organization that uh, passes sanctuary city uh, policies that approve the sanctuary city policies. And they're, and they're all this, they are the, the group that can also take it back. So I believe if the average citizen knew that they could call their city council member or county supervisor and say, look, no more, you know, or no mas, <laughs> we don't want any more. Uh, I think that would be the step. But you know what, uh, Jeffrey, a lot of people don't even I, I had started something about six months ago. I said, if every, you know, Californian, but, but if every Sacramento County resident, let's say if 10,000 Sacramento County residents sent a certified letter, one of those kind of letters where you have to sign the green card that you received it. If 10,000 people sent one of those registered certified letters saying that we don't like uh, the performance of the city council or the county supervisors, and if you don't fix the problem, we're going to vote you out or recall you, they would fix that problem overnight. But I believe a lot of uh, voters are just... um, they're like uh, they're not they're not in touch. They want solutions, they say, but they're not willing to take action or e- like even the minimal action uh, to do something. And that's you know hopefully we gotta we gotta bring the awareness to the average voter because the average voters on the weekend is sitting around waxing their 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 boat, they're they're barbecuing on the weekend, but at the same time they're complaining that the you know that the world is on fire and uh, that that is so true. People don't understand how this whole entire process works. I don't think they realize that Congress in the state of California dictates what money and things are spent. So legislatively, the assembly, we write bills and we allow for the money to flow, right? Senate passes these things and sends them on to the governor. We need to get more representation down here at this level because we can stop the leftist spending. And that's what I keep telling people. I'm gonna run on fiscal responsibility. We need to be fiscally responsible in this state. And with the frivolous spending that we have, there's no way that we're ever going to maintain a budget or stay above uh, sinking. We're, we're going to go bankrupt as a state if we continue to spend more than we're making. And I mean, you're seeing right now they're affecting the farmers with this water. They're affecting everybody down the road because of stupid decisions made by people that really just don't understand how the world works. And I mean, don't get me wrong, the smelt, I get it. The smelt isn't a, you know, a fish, they need to flow, they need to go places, whatever. But what good does it do us if these fish are living, but we are dead, right? (laughs) If we are struggling to have water to feed our crops and we're dying off and people are starving, It really doesn't matter if these fish are going down the river or not because we human beings won't be able to feed our kids. So it's not like we can go down to the local creek and enjoy this running of fish, right? So it's not beneficial. It's not doing anything for us. We have to find other ways 
that are going to help both people. We have to help the humans and the animals at the same time. So, I mean, you're seeing they're getting rid of a bunch of dams. California is going to start eliminating uh, the, the largest dam removal in the entire world is going to go on in the next few years. And we're worried about hydroelectric. We have no way to prevent brownouts. We have no way to prevent blackouts, the rolling blackouts. But we're going to start removing hydroelectric dams. We have to do something about that. So what I would do is I would move to build more dams. I know, again, environmentalists have a major problem with that. But we've got to find a way to be eco-friendly and still have hydroelectricity, right? We've got to do something to where we can become more efficient, but still utilize what God gave us, which is this amazing uh, water flow here in California. We have a lot of river systems that can uh, take care of us with that. Yeah, I recall when I got here in the in the uh, the early '80s, man, California just had so many beautiful streams, riding up to the uh, you know to to Donner Pass on 80 or to um, to on 50 to to Lake Tahoe was such a beautiful sight. The trees looked great. And in the summertime, there wasn't a whole bunch of uh, dead trees on the side of the road. If you looked to the left or right, going up 80 or Highway 50, you, you saw the forest was managed. It wasn't like a big problem. Every now and then would be a fire. But it seems like if the wind blows one mile an hour past some certain uh, uh, wind speed, we got an automatic fire. And I <laughs> And something something's not right about that. But here's my here's my next question. It's a more of a, a philosophical question. And I just want to give you a backdrop. OK, so I was going to interview one of your opponents in uh, in, in this district assembly race. And I was talking with this gentleman and uh, I met I met at his office. And, you know, Jeffrey, he sounded like a Democrat, but he but he was a Republican. So we so he was every time I'd ask him a question, I would get this Democrat response. So finally, when I left, he says, well, Rick, I've been to your website and I see you have a lot of pro Trump stuff on it. And uh, I just want to let you know, I'm, I'm not a supporter of Trump and I just don't like him at all. So I kindly and professionally said, well, you know, your campaign is, is doing great. You got the right guy to help you because I'm not going to let him come on my podcast and and talk about one of the greatest presidents we ever had. So here's my philosophical yeah. question. Why do you think so many people, uh, Republicans have lost their way in a, in, in, in a figurative speech? They don't have a spine. What has happened to people, especially guys? You know, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we have been um, demasculated as a society. It, it's honestly been such an attack in the schools. It's been an attack in the university. It's been attacked by the media. It's been attacked by Hollywood. So, I mean, the alpha male is really just not looked at like it used to be. You're seeing this new beta male, the little skinny, tiny leg man where he's just got a caved in chest, no body hair. They they look very just hungry. They're not fed. They're just tiny little men. And I mean, just look at the new Batman, for example, right? We go from big, giant, buff Batman to the guy that played like the werewolf duties, this skinny little T-800 
teenage guy that looks like just this thing, right? He's like a little Peter Parker before he became Spider-Man. And it's like, we had seen just this total neutering of society. And I mean, honestly, men are afraid of the backlash because women do control a lot of society today. It's not like it used to be. I think men used to be able to do and say what they want to say without the worry and the care of ramifications. Uh, I think a lot of people are also dependent upon other people for paychecks. So when, you know, back in the day, people owned their own businesses. They were a lot more independent people. They weren't reliant on the government, you know, paycheck or whatever. So now with this whole movement of cancel culture, people are really concerned about losing everything for standing up for what they believe in, which is what they don't get is that's the absolute, that's the biggest that marks its use is like mm-hmm. cancel culture so that you won't even say and do what you know is right and eventually the entire society will crumble because no one is doing or saying what is right and so a lot of these men they are confused on on what to do but see i was raised by my grandfather and my grandparents so i was raised in a home where we opened the door for women you know, we were polite. We said, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. We we did those things. At my mother's house, my mother was a single mother. I had no dad. There was no reinforcement of respect because when I moved back to my mother's after my grandparents' house, the rules suddenly were out the window, right? I was able to run the streets, smoke pot, do whatever I wanted. There was no rules. So I think that, again, is another possibility is the lack of fathers in the home. There is no example of a man. So when you're raised by a woman, you act like a woman. And so there is not the influx of manliness or masculinity in the household anymore like there used to be. A mom would raise a child, and then the father would come home from work and bring his masculine influence at the end of the day. So the mother could give a boy the soft, love, tenderness he needed during the day, and the father's working him and whatever, and there's this good combination of the boat. Well, I think mm-hmm. that the father's been removed from the household uh, for so long now here in America that you're seeing the unraveling of the fabric of the nuclear family. And that is another reason why they're so against the Proud Boys, because that's one of our number one tenets, is the promotion of the nuclear family. The mother mm-hmm. staying home, It doesn't mean she has to not make money. It just means she's raising the kids. She's tending to the house. She's making dinner for the family. She's providing the traditional home. The father goes out, makes the money, breaks his back, come home. And the left, they see that as a threat because they want everyone raised by the state. They want everyone to be on the nipple of the state. That way they can control you, right? And... That's why you see us perpetuating and moving towards socialism. Because all these babies that have been raised in this environment of, oh, what do you need? Here, I'll give it to you. Here, I mean, it's incredible to me how many of these new Gen Z kids don't drive. They just Uber everywhere. And I've asked a lot of them, why don't you you own a car? And they go, I don't know. And I'm like, is it because you were driven to school your whole life? I mean, what is it? Like... We had to get a car and drive. These kids, mm-hmm. they got dropped off by mommy. Oh, it's raining outside. I can't let my kid walk to school. Well, I was <laughs> riding my bike in the rain to school. 
So there's just a difference in the way we've raised our children. And I think this nanny state has been used as a way to move us towards socialism. So being strong, independent, business owner, entrepreneur, that's like the epitome of what the left doesn't want because you're independent. They can't tell you you're inessential. They can't limit you. I mean, they can't force you to get the jab, right? What can they do if you own your own business? What can they do if you own your own property and you own your guns and you raise your own kids and you homeschool your kids? They have no influence. So they're breaking the family down so they can influence your kids all day long. You know? Man, you hit, and that's you hit why on they some, cause inflation. They, you hit ahead. on some great points. You hit on some great points. And I think uh, I've been pushing um, you know, a lot of promotion. Real People USA, we do talk about business ownership. And you're absolutely right. Because I am a, a small business owner as a consultant, I had no one telling me or forcing me that I telling me I had to take the jab because I am the president. I'm not going to tell myself that, that I needed to take the jab. And you're right. So even my... Um, my doctor, I used to have Kaiser, but I fired them this this last six months because they, they kept sending me emails after emails about coming in and getting this jab. And I just basically said, you know, I said, we quit and we have a, another health plan. And my, and my wife has a doctor in Arizona who tells the truth about health care. But, you know, a lot of these uh, these doctors, these physicians that that um, that bent under pressure, they know more than they want to say about the vaccine but because they're getting that hundred and twenty thousand dollar check as an employee at a health plan at a a kaiser or sutter instead of having their own private practice like they used to 20 years ago when i worked in in the healthcare field now they're now they have to succumb to do i tell the the patient what i really feel about their health and about the, the covid vaccine or do I just tow the company line and, and keep my $140,000 check as a physician employee? So you, you're absolutely right. Hey, Jeff, I tell you what, please close us out about how people can help you. I want you to stay in the game. Uh, if, if not now, keep going because something's gonna change here in this country pretty soon. So what I would ask of anybody who hears my name would be just simply to tell other people who are normal citizens, who are tired of the status quo, the typical establishment representatives that we have in office all the time that don't go to work every day. They work one or two days a week, if that. I mean, you see people like Gavin Newsom, you know, the guy only works some like five days or something out of an entire uh, quarter. I mean, it's just ridiculous. One thing I will promise is If I go to office, I will make sure I vote on everything. I will go to every single vote that matters. I will be there every day representing the normal person, not the establishment, not the rich, not the elitist, but the normal people, the people you see in your neighborhood, the people who are forced to go shop at Walmart and who don't drive fancy cars. I'm just a normal human being. I'm a father with two children. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. I've been raised in this community, and if you want your community to remain healthy and vibrant, 
I would say elect somebody who has grown up in this environment and who knows what the people truly want and where we want to go and what we used to look like. Because we've moved in a direction that is no longer healthy and Citrus Heights and Sacramento County and, and the surrounding cities do not look like they did when I was growing up. The education system is not nearly as quality as it was when I grew up. So just tell people around that there's a guy like you. There's a normal citizen that knows what it's like to struggle. It's actually probably going to get somewhere because I'm being promoted, getting a lot of free advertisement. We might as well use this because a poor person or a normie would never get the promotion like I'm getting. But because I've been a devoted advocate for our people for this long, the establishment fears me. And so they've, mm -hmm. they've dumped a lot of money into me to make me look bad. But what we've got to understand is everything that they've said, none of that is, you're not hearing them say it's bad. They're, they're telling you this like saying I'm a patriot is not positive or that I fought the school board mass mandate isn't positive. Well, I want to know what the establishment's done for you. They say Jeffrey Perrine's bad because he's done these things. Well, what would you have wanted your establishment to do? during this lockdown for two years. Your, your representatives weren't fighting for you. So just imagine what I could do for you if I actually had the power to make change. I would go to these school board meetings as an elected representative um, and I would do my part. I will mingle with the community. You know, I have never made $50,000 in a year. So to get $100,000 in a year, I could help a lot of people. There would be a lot of money being spent on positivity in my community because I wouldn't even know what to do with that money. So I would just reinvest it into our community in a positive manner. So that's what I would say. Um, if you want to help me, go to my website, www.perrineforassembly, that's P-E-R-R-I-N-E-F-O-R-A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y.org. And uh, you can see my ethos, what I stand for. There should be a donation there. Um, other than that, yeah, just tell people about me and say Jeffrey Perrine. He's the uh, the constitutionalist that will stand up and fight for your rights, the rights of the human, not just the establishment. Yeah, I tell you what, and, and thanks for that, Jeff. And I will put the link in, in your uh, website link in the podcast description. But I again, I want to return to this marketing piece that I got that we got from Ken Cooley, who you never hear from. I, I get one email from him every two years. And he needs to fire his marketing guy because this marketing piece is actually pro Jeff. <laughs> it's pro Jeff. Well, what you're seeing, though, is, a, is what I'm hearing. And this is where the GOP establishment doesn't understand that I am what the true MAGA movement and the true Make America Great Again people think like i am and not the kevin kylie and the josh hoovers and the ray reels they're not going to say and do what we really need to do to make america great again because if you like donald trump take a few steps to the right and just just imagine what you would get from somebody who's truly conservative and not a new york liberal gone conservative i am a true constitutionalist i don't consider myself a conservative i am a constitutionalist who loves um, America and everybody in it that loves our constitution and this uh, great country that we have. All right, folks, you have heard it from Jeffrey Perrine. 
He's a California State Assembly District 7 in my district. He's got my vote. As soon as I saw his name on there, I said, yes. And yeah, I'm not voting for Ray, really. I'm not voting for Hoover. I'm not, I'm not voting for uh, who else is on there? Uh, uh, yeah, Clinton. some other. Yeah, just some, I don't, yeah. So I'm voting for you. Not, definitely not Hoover and Ray Really, but I tell you what, man, you are the answer, at least for Citrus Heights and some of the other areas, because I think the majority of people think like us, and not like 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 you said these uh, these people that um, went to these Ivy League schools and and I'm looking at the back of this this Ken Cooley. Uh, thing that he sent that was supposed to be against you, but it's actually for you. It promotes you. Here's his nice family. He's he's uh, you know r- rowing down the American River. There's nobody else on the river. I wonder why. Maybe they can't afford to go, or they have to work, or they're homeless. But him and his it looks like his wife is uh, on the American River with a nice photo, and you know him making his six figures. It is not a good ad. This ad is out of touch. That Ken Cooley sent out promoting himself and actually it promotes you more than it promotes him so anyway jeff you have a great day and we will catch up soon thank you very thank you very thank much you, for being a guest yes sir appreciate you thank you very much you have a great day you too bye-bye